Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung here in Chattanooga, Tennessee at Broadcast Central. We're here for about a 90-minute period of time. If you can give us that much, we will give you the world with our six broadcast partners who will help us to look at current events unfolding in this world today that I'm sure are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. We're here in Chattanooga, but we're headed down to Alabama. We're going down to Southside, Alabama, the Riverview Baptist Church. will be there Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Great time to have a prophecy conference, and Pastor Roger Wagner invites everybody in our listening area to come and join us. And so we're going to take care of one of our great-granddaughter's birthday parties. Tinsley is five years old, and we're going to go to that birthday party, and then her grandmother and myself are going to head down to Southside, Alabama. Be sure to come and join us. Right now, for our first broadcast partner, we bring to the broadcast table Ken Timmerman. He's the man who looks at geopolitical activities across the world. And Ken, we are going to be focused on much of the political activities in our world today. So let me start my questioning of you for your insight with what an Israeli minister had to say, one of the members of the cabinet of the coalition government in Israel, he gave a warning just prior to the election that if indeed Joe Biden was to win and reinstitute, put back in place that Iranian nuclear deal, it would make sure that war is going to happen. What are your thoughts about that and, of course, the political situation? Well, Jimmy, I think that's absolutely true, and I think it's a dire warning from the settlements minister, Saki Hanigvi, who also uh, has been in the past the security minister in Israel. He's a very credible person. He understands Iran and its Iranian threat to Israel very well. And he also knows that Joe Biden has announced publicly, I mean, this is not a secret, that he wants to return to the Iran deal of 2015 that President Trump left. He will probably claim to renegotiate it, uh, but the renegotiation will be minimal. It will basically be the same deal as we saw in 2015 with a lifting of all U.S. sanctions on Iran, including on the Revolutionary Guards Corps, because that was one of the demands that the Iranians made and that Obama and Biden agreed to in 2015. And that will allow the IRGC... Uh, who have been propagating terror around the world to continue sending their assassin teams to Europe, to Africa, to the Far East, to murder, first of all, Iranian dissidents, but then also to carry out terrorist operations. And I think in the end, they will be targeting Israel. The Iranians have never made a secret of their desire to strike the Jewish state. And before we get off the political situation, I thought it was very interesting. I read this last week that the Palestinian officials, the Palestinian Authority, the terrorist element of the Palestinian body politic in Israel, they confirmed that they had a direct contact with the Biden campaign. So it looks like, and in fact also, Kamala Harris has already said that they're going to do everything they can to assist the Palestinians. That doesn't sound too good for Israel, does it? Well, it doesn't. And again, this is not a surprise. The 
uh, Democrat Party in the United States has always been pro-Palestinian. You had the former Secretary of State, John Kerry, say uh, after President Trump took office in 2017 that there would be no Middle East peace that did not first include an Israel-Palestinian peace agreement. Now, we saw how out of bounds that statement was, that analysis was, when, the, when President Trump made the agreement, the Abraham Accords, with the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and now Sudan. So, yes, the, a Biden-Harris administration is, of course, going to return to those policies, pro-Palestinian policies. And so it's no surprise to hear that the Palestinian authorities were in touch with the Biden-Harris team well before the election. Let's take our focus now off the political activities of the world and look at some of the other geopolitical activities unfolding as we are doing this broadcast. For example, I read a report there's a quadruple threat that is coming much better into focus, getting stronger every moment, and that would include North Korea, China, Pakistan, and Iran. What do you know about this quadruple threat? Well, Jimmy, these are countries that uh, you and I have been discussing here on these airwaves for a long time. They don't get much attention from the national media here in the United States. Uh, China, it sees its future in 2049, the 100th anniversary of the Communist Revolution. They see themselves becoming the world's hegemon, the uh, leading and only global power by 2049. That's not all that far away from now. It could even happen sooner. The Chinese are certainly trying to position themselves that way. Uh, it's clear that they launched the coronavirus to the world, onto the world in January and February of 2020 without informing the World Health Organization or anyone else, pretending it did not transmit from human to human, whereas the Chinese knew full well that it did. They allowed their citizens from Wuhan province to travel to Europe and to the United States and that is how the virus spread to this country and led to over 200,000 deaths. It was a conscious act by the Chinese government. So uh, China is clearly a threat. North Korea has been held in check by President Trump. I expect those efforts to fall to the wayside should Joe Biden become president. He will return to some kind of an agreement with Russia and China to lift sanctions on North Korea and uh, pretend to restrain them. They will not be restrained. They never have been restrained before President Trump in the past. Of course, Pakistan has the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. People tend to forget that. (laughs) It is called the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. They have had certainly a lot of friction with Iran. Pakistan is predominantly Sunni, not entirely, but predominantly Sunni, and Iran is, is predominantly Shia. But they also have cooperated from time to time. That is going to be the interesting piece of this uh, eventual alliance, should it emerge. Will the Iranian and Pakistani uh, governments uh, be able to cooperate together in an anti-Western agenda? That's the one part of it I would uh, be a little bit uh, uh, skeptical about, and I would be watchful to see how that develops. It doesn't mean it can't happen. Uh, We've seen Iran... Uh, uh, work with Pakistan to shelter al-Qaeda after the 9-11 attacks. But again, that's the one I would keep my eyes on. The others, very clear. North Korea and China and Iran itself are clearly in an alliance against the United States. You know, it's interesting you mentioned 
Kim, that uh, the mainstream media is not reporting some of these stories that uh, we are talking about. So it's great that we have that opportunity right here on Prophecy Today to do that. Now, you mentioned Iran, of course, extensively in your last statement to us. It seems like Turkey and Iran are employing what is referred to as proxy wars. They're using their militias abroad. Uh, This could cause some problems ahead as well, could it not? Yes, and it's interesting to see that the Turks have basically torn a page out of Iran's playbook. The Iranians have been using proxies for decades. Uh, They set up Hezbollah in Lebanon in 1982 and 1983, to use against Israel and also used to subvert the Lebanese state. Uh, since then, they've expanded their use of proxies uh, across Africa, across the Middle East, in Yemen. Uh, they even have proxies fighting in South America. So recently, the Turks have begun to do the same kind of thing. They have militias that they have developed in Libya that are fighting uh, with financing from Qatar. They're also deeply engaged, as we know, uh, we've talked about this, Uh, in Syria, where they have their own, basically the remnants of ISIS that Turkey is financing to keep the Kurds in check, to keep pressure on the Kurds in northern Iraq. So it's interesting to see that Turkey is tearing this page out of the Iranian regime's playbook and, and using it with more or less success. Before we get off the subject of Iran, let me ask you to give us some insight into what is going on Iran. They're showing off their new long-range missile system uh, that they say is going to shake the enemy when it is in force. Boy, that's interesting. Well, it is, Jimmy. I want to learn more about this particular missile system. You know, they unveiled this just before the U.S. elections here in the United States as if they wanted to sow fear in the heart of American voters. They claim that this is a missile that will be fired from a network of underground tunnels. Now, if that's the case, Jimmy, and we've heard about underground missile uh, storage bunkers before, but not underground missile launch sites, that would indicate it is a solid fuel technology missile. That is very, very different from all the missiles that we've seen so far from Iran. Their liquid fuel missiles basically use technology from Russia and from North Korea. But solid fuel is completely different. They need uh, special casting machines to cast these boosters of solid fuel. The propellant is formed as a liquid and then set in molds and cast, uh, and the molds cool so the the, the propellant uh, can be ignited in a minute's notice. Very different technology. That technology comes from communist China. That will show, again, a strengthening of these underground ties, these underground technology ties between the Islamic uh, State of Iran and the communist regime in China. And uh, they can take these new missiles and attach a nuclear warhead, can they not? Well, it looks from the photographs that they are of a size to have a nuclear warhead. Again, we need to learn more of the technical details. I haven't seen those out yet, but I'm, I'm... guessing that you and I are going to be talking about this in future weeks. Absolutely, and we'll probably be even maybe talking about it next week when Ken comes back. It's key to have Ken with his report and analysis of all of these geopolitical events happening around the world. Ken, thank you so very much, my good friend. We will have another conversation next week. Thank you, Jimmy. It's always a pleasure. God bless. We're going to take a break. When we come back, David Dolan standing by. He'll be at the broadcast table. 
to give us his Middle East news update. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy-to-understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy DeYoung aid you in your understanding of this profound end-times prophecy book that God has preserved in His Scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy D. Young's Revelation, a chronology, call us toll free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. How do you like your news? You know, Jimmy, folks are listening to the news every single day, but sometimes they're getting that liberal bent, and we want them to have a different look at the news. Jay, that's correct. I have listened to ABC, CBS, and NBC when I returned from Jerusalem back to the United States, having just witnessed a news event in the Middle East, and hear the commentators over here speaking something almost different. That's why I write the Until Newsletter, and it takes the leading news stories of the month. I give the absolute truth behind all the details in those headlines, and then we look at it from a prophetic perspective. I want to give you the insight from God's Word as to how the political is setting the stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. And Jay's going to give you the phone number how you can get your free copy of Until the Prophecy Newsletter. Just give us a call at 8-PROPHECY-8. That's 877-674-3298. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. As soon as the broadcast is over, we go over to our great-granddaughter's birthday party. Tinsley's five years old. I've already mentioned that. And I guess I do love my great-grandchildren, my grandchildren, and all of my children. So you know that's the case as it relates to the leader of Prophecy Today. Well, we're going to be going down to Southside, Alabama, the Riverview Baptist Church. Pastor Roger Wagner inviting everybody to join us on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, November 8, 9, and 10. On Sunday, two services, one in the morning, one at night, and then Monday and Tuesday night, we'll have services with Prophecy Q&A before. Come join us at the Riverview Baptist Church, Southside, Alabama. Now, as promised, we go to the broadcast table and join up with David Dolan, who's going to give us his Middle East news update. David, the entire program is kind of focusing on the presidential elections here in the United States, and I wanted to begin our conversation asking you about the Israelis. Actually, they were really pulling for Trump. In fact, they had prayer for Trump to be reelected on the Temple Mount, most sacred piece of real estate in Israel, for the Jewish people, in fact, and also at the Machpelah Cave there in Hebron, which is the second most sacred piece of real estate. But their prayers don't look at this point, never can tell the final results not in, Uh, but at this point it doesn't look like those prayers were answered with a yes, but possibly a no. 
Oh, yes, Jimmy, and the Israeli press, one headline read on Friday that a blue wave has struck Israel, meaning the people are feeling blue, feeling down because of the apparent election of Joe Biden as president. We'll find out uh, the final totals, but it certainly looks that way. And um, they're going to miss Donald Trump for sure, if that's the case, because he has been an exceptional friend to the country. Although there are a lot of people that say it'll probably be better for us in the end because he's erratic and he was an isolationist also wanting to pull most U.S. troops out of the Middle East and that this might harm Israel. So, you know, they're trying to look at it from both sides. And uh, Netanyahu has pointed out the prime minister that he is good friends and longtime friends with Joe Biden. So that is important. He already has a relationship with him, but certainly not as strong as with Netanyahu and uh, Trump. Together, they were really very close political partners and recognized as such around the world. So the prayers are still going up, but it looks like the president will be out of office. The main concern, Jimmy, you had an article on your website about it, is the global uncertainty this brings, and that this, again, uh, may give Iran a chance to do some meddling, especially if this goes on for weeks. And if we have to wait for a re-election in Georgia in early January, which is a possibility if neither one gets 50%, that's mandatory there, then we may not know for sure who the next president is for some months even. And that would be instability, and instability is never good for an area like the Middle East that is already quite unstable. Yeah, and it's very interesting that uh, the man who is chief of the intelligence agency there in Israel, he exhorted the next president, whoever that might be, to continue the peace relationship between Israel and the Arab nations. Now, that's key. Either one should follow through on that, should they not, as it relates to Israel? Oh, pretty certainly. Uh, Joe Biden is thought of as a friend of Israel. The fear is that the left wing, that to the socialist bloc in his party, will push so hard against him that he may change course. But he's unlikely to do anything to reverse any of the peace treaties, obviously. Those are in America's interest, not just uh, the Republican Party or Israel's interest. It's in the country's interest. The main concern, again, is the Iran deal, Jimmy, that Joe Biden has stated that he will reenact that Iran nuclear limitation pact, as it were, that other nations are still on board, including Great Britain, France, Russia, China. And um, they saw that as a very flawed deal, so they're unhappy about that, although uh, Biden has said he will renegotiate it, and it would be uh, more in as it were, Israel's favor or more protective of Israel. We'll just have to wait and see how that all works out. But the fact that the Senate is apparently staying in Republican hands is comforting to the Israelis as a check on the left-wing tendencies, socialist tendencies of the Democratic Party, and also because the Senate is the one that appropriates the funds, and Israel's reliance on U.S. aid is still a very key to their survival and their progress. Let me uh, now discuss with you, if you will, David, some other issues other than the political activities here in the United States. The United Nations, they had a very interesting vote this last week, and overwhelmingly they came up with a resolution 
and referred to the Temple Mount, most sacred piece of real estate for the Jewish people there in Jerusalem. They referred to the Temple Mount only as a Muslim site and solely as a Muslim site. They ignored all of Jewish history. Boy, that does not bode well for the future, does it? Well, it doesn't, and it's just uh, historically wrong. I mean, Haram al-Sharif, that means uh, the sanctuary Haram al-Sharif is the noble. And by the way, people may recognize that uh, part of it from the actor Omar Sharif, the famous Egyptian-American actor who adopted that name from Haram al-Sharif. It wasn't his given family name. And the Muslims have called it that for 1,500 years, but it's been called Har Habait in Hebrew, the mount of the house, the holy house, Habait, for 3,000 years, for over 3,000 years. That's just a fact. Uh, all the archaeologists uh, prove that, etc. History proves that. The Bible, of course, focuses on that. And to leave that name out entirely in this resolution, supported by, I think, 134 countries not supported by the U.S., Australia, or Canada, and a few other countries, Guatemala, that moved their embassy to Jerusalem, also opposed it. But most U.N. member states supporting it, most European nations supporting it. And the uh, Israeli ambassador simply said, look, you know, let's, let's recognize the Jewish connection to this as well here. And it did make reference in the resolution to Judaism's connection to Jerusalem, but the focus was on the Temple Mount and the occupied uh, ter- Palestinian territories, as it called it. So they're using the same language they've always used. By the way, the Israelis are lamenting that fact that the Democratic ambassador to the UN will probably be far less supportive of Israel than uh, President Trump, certainly Nikki Haley, who was a close friend of Israel. So they're watching that side of it as well. One thing we can say about President Trump, if he indeed is not reelected, he made some very important decisions relating to Jerusalem and moving the U.S. embassy to there. Those were key decisions, probably the reason the Israelis loved the president so much. A pronouncement coming out of the Palestinian Authority. Uh, They made an announcement this week that now they are claiming all of Israel is Palestine. They took smaller portions of Israel to be Palestine in the past, but now, according to Fatah and according to what's going on, they say all of Israel is Palestine. Uh, That's not the case either, historically, is it? Well, there's never been a country uh, called Palestine. That was a Western uh, Roman name given to the Holy Land after the Roman armies conquered it after the resurrection of uh, Jesus, so 2,000 years ago. And it was never called that in the Muslim world. They never used that name. Haram al-Sharif, yes, they've used that name for the Temple Mount, but they never called the area Palestine. It was known as Southern Syria, actually. So that's a misnomer, but again, to be expected. But we have to remember the PLO, Fatah, signed a peace deal on the White House lawn with Bill Clinton uh, presiding, uh, Yasser Arafat and Yitzhak Rabin. As part of that Oslo Accord agreement, the Fatah recognized parts of the land as Israel. Formally, they recognized that. So now they're reversing that, but in fact, on the ground, they've never really done much to recognize Israel's existence. Of course, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, have always declared that all of the land is theirs, that there can be no Jewish state at all. That's Iran's position. That's Hezbollah's position. 
So it's now becoming the Fatah position. Again, it'll be interesting to see, though, if Joe Biden becomes president, if relations between the PLO, Fatah, and the United States are uh, restored, as it were, President Trump cutting off funding for them because of their support for terrorism. And by the way, they named a gate at a university in Hebron this week after the terrorists that planned the 1972 Munich massacre in the Olympics. So the Palestinians are very anti-Israel, but we'll wait and see if uh, Biden's apparent election changes uh, their stand a little bit. It probably won't. That's the voice of David Dolan. He's the man who gives us on a weekly basis his Middle East news update, key, especially to those of us who are students of Bible prophecy. David, thank you so much. Great report. We'll talk again next week. Thank you, Jimmy. God bless. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Winky Madad, who was in the political arena, in fact, He has a key role in the political arena in days past, so we're going to ask for his insight into the United States elections as well as it relates to Israel. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're going to be headed down towards Gadsden, Alabama, actually Southside, Alabama. We're going to be there Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday at the Riverview Baptist Church. Pastor Roger Wagner, looking forward to Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday study of the Word of God, the prophetic Word of God. And in the days in which we are living, so essential to know what God's Word has foretold will happen in the last days. Well, we're going to be going to Winky Madad, and during the break I was talking with Winky. He informed me, in fact, when I called him, he said, don't bother me, I'm counting votes. I said, well, I hope you're counting the right ones. Uh, But in fact, Winky told me that he had experience for about three different elections in Israel. He was on the election committee and had to do some counting of votes, so he knows exactly what's going on. And in fact, we here in America have no idea as to who our next president is. There are a lot of projections, but I'm not sure how many of those are correct. And the latest information I understand is that uh, much of the activity that's taking place may end up in the court system, possibly even the Supreme Court, for an ultimate decision to be made. Winky, thank you so very much. Uh, Are you still counting votes, or can we go ahead with the conversation? 
We can go ahead with the conversation. I've uh, stored them away for uh, a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah, that's what's probably happening here in the United States as well. Well, speaking of the United States elections for president and for other positions down the ballot, we want to talk with you about Israel. And I understand that most Israelis, somebody told me the other day, maybe 200,000 of the Israelis have dual citizenship, I guess it is, allowed to be able to vote in America. Uh, but I understand that the polls tell us most Israelis wanted Donald Trump to win. Before I get to other issues, why is that the case? What do you think the reason behind that is? Jimmy, the relationship between the United States and Israel from the start, from the moment that in fact the United States was the first country to recognize Israel on that evening of May 15, 1948, when President Harry S. Truman signed the letter doing that, has always been good, has always been profitable in many senses, not only financially, I'm talking about technological advances and security and other aspects, for both countries. It's been a mutual uh, relationship. There have been ups and downs. Most of them have been ironed out, and I think that Mr. Netanyahu has been on the scene since late 1980s, when he was in the United Nations, the United States, and at the conf- and then at the embassy, and later, of course, various positions as foreign minister and such, has been a huge facilitator of of good relationships, and that has reached its peak uh, now under President Trump, a person who's been very, very outspoken on behalf of Israel, and not just saying, "Well, we'll help Israel, but we'll sign off on the United Nations." some sort of negative type of decision, or uh, I won't get into all the aspects. We're talking about a president that has done Jerusalem, has done the Golan Heights, has just recently now has done the recognition of a passport, being able to say Jerusalem, Israel, if you want it. Taylor Force Act, uh, knocking down the Palestine Authority if it doesn't want to stop uh, incitement and, and continue with terror and, of course, the Abrahamic Accords. All this, of course, (laughs) thrills Israelis. It doesn't mean that they reject anybody else, but you say, who do you want? Well, I prefer this one, President Trump. That's how it goes. I understand, of course, and all of our listeners understand, we don't have the final results yet. Uh, That could be a day, a week, a month. We don't even know that for sure. However, whoever becomes the president of the United States, that person and his or her administration is going to have some potential problems as their relationship with Israel continues on, not necessarily between the United States and Israel. But because of the situation in the Middle East, for example, one of those problems would be the United States and a relationship with Iran and in particular as it focuses on the Jewish state. Prime Minister Netanyahu saying that they're not going to allow Iran to have a nuclear weapon of mass destruction. There's going to be some issues there. Talk to me about that just a moment. The threat that Iran is to Israel and its relationship with the United States. Jimmy, I'm talking from our side of the Mediterranean Sea over here. This is not the first time that perhaps Israel will get into a bit of a tiff with the United States. 
Mr. Netanyahu went head-to-head, literally, with President Obama, going into Congress and making that famous speech. He was unbowed, courageous, non-yielding on an issue which he felt was threatening the existential security of the state of Israel and its population. And so Israel is not afraid to do diplomatic and political battles even with the United States if we think that this is really the most important thing. The point is that if we have a Biden-Harris crew coming in, and I don't know if you want me to talk about my perception of American politics, maybe we'll do that in the next question if you wish, but obviously there are public pronouncements to renew the deal will make it, shall we say, more difficult at the beginning until uh, things straighten out again. And uh, we'll hope that, uh, as we say, this too will pass. The Iranians, of course, an external threat as it relates to the Jewish state of Israel internally. The situation with the Palestinians, uh, the Hamas organization there in the Gaza Strip, Fatah, in the central part of the Jewish state of Israel, in the area that of Ramallah, where the Palestinian Authority is headquartered, Mahmoud Abbas getting older and older every day, new leadership coming in there. The next administration in the U.S. is probably going to have to deal with the Palestinians. Talk to me about how that relationship may work out. Well, Jimmy, you gave me an opening here, and I'll take advantage of it. Mr. Abbas is not the only one getting older. If... Joe Biden does become president, he will be getting older, too. Uh, He has already, I think, shown too often the results of old age, and I do not know if he will fulfill the full four years of his office, not in terms of anything life-threatening, God forbid. We don't wish that on anybody, but in terms of his mental faculties. And then you have someone uh, who is much more to the left, as his vice president. I am not quite sure about the law in the United States, but I would presume that she would loom larger in managing and administrating affairs. And she comes from what I understand, as I said, the more left side of the Democrats. And we have, unfortunately, over the past four years, seen congressmen and even senators who have been leaning towards that progressive or whatever you want to call it, thinking of preferring uh, the Palestinians rather than Israel. And we might have to deal with a more difficult situation than just Iran, which is perhaps purely uh, strategic military. This is more deeper, a more political philosophical uh, element, which is why we want to reach out to our many friends in the United States. Well, we've talked about the external threats, the internal threats, but there is a very plus activity that's been unfolding there in the Middle East, and that is the Abraham Accords working between the United States, Israel, and the Arab nations, two of them, the UAE and Bahrain, and then Sudan as well, others possibly on the horizon Is that going to continue on, do you believe, no matter who is in that office there in the White House? I would hope so, because uh, I understand that the Democrats are for peace. And now that we have peace, that should be promoted and uh, ratcheted up even more. So I I don't think that will hurt it. 
the, the advantage we have with these accords is that it enlarges the amount of the Arab population in these various countries to economically benefit from them. And the more a person has a stake in saying, well, I can fly to Tel Aviv, and I can drive up to Jerusalem, I can even go on to the Temple Mount, uh, and all sorts of other issues make peace much more attractive to those many Arab states. They don't have to die in wars. They don't have to get involved in boycotts. They don't have to do all sorts of things at the uh, request or demand of the Palestinian Authority. And we've seen many clips of Arabs being very um, castigating, and even to the point of being demeaning of the Palestinians and their uh, demands on the rest of the Arab world. I would hope that even a Biden administration would see the advantage of that. We've dealt with Obama and previous presidents in a direct uh, head-to-head on the Palestinian Authority, so hopefully that will not be that much of a problem. Folks, you've been listening to the voice of a vote counter in a number of Israeli elections. Of course, I'm talking about Winky Madad, our broadcast partner. And uh, I've got some great insight from what the thinking of the Israeli people is going to be from you, Winky, today. I'm so grateful for that. Thank you. One final question. No matter who is the president of the United States, you and I both students of the prophetic word of God, we know he's still in charge. He has a plan for the Jews, and that indeed will play out. Would you not agree? I fully agree, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, at this present moment, we could refer to Psalms 37.7, which suggests that man be patient until God's will is done. That is an excellent verse. Psalm 37, be patient until God decides to conclude everything the way he wants it to go. He started human government, Genesis 9-6, and it's his plan to use it to direct humankind. Winky, thank you so much. Great insight. Appreciate the conversation. Always a joy to be able to talk with you. We'll have to come back to you, I'm sure, as we see how this presidential race is going to play out. But thank you for today's conversation. Jimmy, thank you very much for having me on. Goodbye to you and our listeners. Always enjoy the opportunity to talk with Winky Madad. I did not know he was a vote counter there in three or four Israeli elections. Quite an interesting background Winky Madad has, but always a great conversation when we have the privilege to talk with him about whatever the subject may be. Well, we're going to continue along the lines of the presidential elections here in the United States. We're going to bring to the broadcast table Sam Rohr, the Honorable Sam Rohr. He knows a little bit about election process. He was, for over 19 years, a senator in the Pennsylvania State Senate, which is a quite interesting location to think about at this time in the presidential elections, of course. But indeed, he is also the president of the American Pastors Network and the voice of a radio and television production, Stand in the Gap, today. Sam, I want to get your thoughts, first of all, before we get into the weeds a bit, about what is going on. A unique election, just first blush, what are you thinking about where it is today? 
Well, Jimmy, bottom line, I would say that based on what I am seeing, the evidence that I have seen, that if you cut to the quick, if the true legal votes are cast, or count, let's put that with the true legal votes are cast, uh, the president would win very, very, very handily. But if the ballots are counted, which is the legal distinction, the Democrats are saying let every ballot be counted, the president is saying let every legal vote be counted. Big distinction. It's the basis of some of the lawsuits. If the ballots are counted as they are, he will lose. If the legal votes are counted, the president will win. It all comes down to that issue right now. And I think in reality, from a biblical perspective, it's, it's whether or not truth as an integral piece of integrity of the system will guide the actions or whether we're going to witness truth literally uh, thrown out the door and we're going to have laws and decisions made without the truth. And that is the distinction of how these two things are coming down. This is the battle, I believe. Wow, that's a great analysis of what is going on, a a very important observation that you have just communicated to us. Well, speaking of observations, there are some of the political pundits who are pretty much on track. They're saying that the media pre-election day and the poll takers hyped for Biden And this is something that is going to ultimately destroy our nation if we allow this to continue on. Would you agree media and the poll takers did hype the thing for Biden? Without a doubt, they did. And I mean, theoretically, I mean, under any normal condition, the poll takers really have been totally discredited. They were so far off in their forecast this time, just as they were in 2016. But when you get the poll takers and you have the media, which have already, again, back to the issue of truth, they have already thrown out truth as the standard for what is communicated, the truth as the standard for what is measured, and truth as the standard for what is uh, communicated. So when you take that out, that's the only guiding limiter on people's speech or actions is the truth. When that is out, you have exactly what we're seeing. And, of course, I think the media has made it very, very clear what they have intended to do. They want to prevent, and they have tried, they've already telegraphed it. The media have sworn that they will not admit or communicate that the president has won. Their goal is to reach these, uh, this electoral college vote total sufficiently for Joe Biden that they can declare him the winner And then, when that is the case, the media will take and push the narrative, which then means they can accuse the president of trying to, quote-unquote, steal the election. This is the goal. This is what they have said. This is the direction that they are on. And so this contest between which states are counting votes appropriately, which states are not, this is the contest, and this is what's going to unfold before us um, uh, in these days ahead. But it's been telegraphed. That's what it is. That's what's going to happen. And, uh, and again, it's, it's absent truth. It's absent truth altogether. It was interesting that those poll takers said that the House of Representatives, United States Congress, the representative aspect of that, would uh, have more votes on the Democratic side. Instead, they lost votes, and there were a number of Republicans elected and defeating some of those incumbents that were there. Also, the Senate, they said, and spent billions almost of dollars. I said billions, but as I think somewhere in about a half a billion dollars to try to take down 
some of those senators as well who played a key role and stood true to their principles. They could have backed away from trying to get the Supreme Court justice replaced in the nine-member Supreme Court, uh, but they stood by principle and went ahead, and they were victorious in their battles. Sam, what about the mail-in ballots? That's not the norm. Was it constitutional even to be able to do that? Jimmy, really, that's the appropriate question to ask. What is the law? What is lawful? As it was, Sam, back in 2000, it ended up in the Supreme Court for the decision to be made who would be president of the United States. Do you believe that's going to be a likely scenario for this election time here in America this time? I think it's going to be very likely because uh, Rudy Giuliani, on behalf of the president, has filed suit or be filing suit in the Supreme Court on a federal level. Basically, he's trying to stop the counting of these ballots and so forth. I do believe that that, whether it's that vehicle or another vehicle before the Supreme Court, I do expect the Supreme Court to be called in as some final arbiter. And frankly, I don't know how that will go. And Amy Barrett on the court may help, but John Roberts has already evidenced himself as jumping ship to the left a number of occasions. He cannot be counted on. And there's some speculation that Amy Barrett may recuse herself because of some comments that were made about Pennsylvania in particular or some other states during the hearings. I don't know if she does. If she does, you can't count on the Supreme Court ruling on the side of truth. They have ruled so many times on the side of error and uh, immorality that uh, an unconstitutionality, I don't know that the Supreme Court can be counted on to make the right decision, but I do expect it to probably end up there. Probably a very good chance. Last time we had a conversation, Sam, you mentioned Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. And I guess that's what you and I, as believers in what God is doing in this world and what he's promised he would do in his word, I guess that's what we should rely upon. God is still in charge because whoever becomes the president has already been ordained by God. That is a blessing. That is an assurance, isn't it? It it absolutely is, and I'm glad that you went there. I think maybe in the last call we talked about, last program we talked about this, that I said ultimately the determination of the future of America is not going to be made by the counting of the votes in the ballot box. Because at the end of the day, we're never going to know what those actual votes were. The real determination will be the votes counted in the court of heaven, and that is going to be determined, I think, by God's people, where they are, where they were when they cast their vote, where they are now, even as far as that goes, in the relationship to Jesus Christ. Are those who truly say they know the truth going to be more concerned about the relationship with Christ in obedience to the Word of God, and what God says about them, are they trusting more in the Lord and His sovereignty to work out, to lift up, and to put down? Or are we still looking to the court to be our final Savior? Are we looking to the president to be our final Savior? Are we looking to a political party? That, I think, is the issue of do we, do we worship God or do we worship idols? And I think that that is the heart of the issue, but that's a determination that only God himself will make. But that's the vote. And that's the determination that I'm most concerned about. Yes, in the courts of heaven, the decision will be made. That's a great statement, Sam. And praise the Lord for his word, which is absolute. Sam, thank you so very much for joining us this time. Appreciate it. 
I need your insight for my people to hear here on Prophecy Today. You always hit the ball out of the park. Appreciate it again this time. We'll talk again real soon. Thank you, Jimmy. Very important conversation with Sam Rohr, who is president of the American Pastors Networks. It's from the pulpit that the political actually should evolve out of. I use that word evolve in the right context. But it is key to understand some of the very important insight that Sam gave to us. Well, we're going to a region of the world that is key as we look at Bible prophecy. We'll look at the political activities going on in the European Union. John Rood, the man who covers that for us, because as we look at that political activity in the European Union, we can see the prophetic scenario coming out of that, possibly in the very near future. Now, stay tuned for the report. You'll understand why I make that statement. John, it looks to me like the European Union were anxious spectators as America went to the polls, and they are seeming to plot their course as they watch what's going to happen in these United States elections. What can you tell us? Yes, indeed, the EU is anxious, but pretty much as the whole sentiment is, Europe would really prefer for Biden to be president since he has the experience from previous administration, and uh, they want to get back to more or less the status quo without some of the challenges that they've had in terms of NATO and uh, other issues, uh, fair treatment, and so forth. So the EU has been, although officially they're staying neutral until there's a decision, which hopefully that can be done fairly quickly, then we see that their uh, anxiousness is really towards expressing their support for for Biden. They see him as a reliable partner, especially in the past. You know, what's interesting, I remember the old phrase, you better be careful what you wish for, and that may well be the result as well. Well, there's some activity that's been going on in France. We've been covering it thus far. And that is the uprising, basically, among the Islamic people going after the French people. There is one Islamic scholar, John, that has stated that the Muslim Caliph, that is the leader of the Caliphate, a worldwide kingdom in the Islamic world and under its control, will lead a Muslim army and they will come into Paris and crush Paris completely. Now, is it that bad? What can you tell us about that situation? This Islamic scholar was speaking in the mosque in Jerusalem, and yes, they're taking the very strong, uh, extreme stance, saying, for example, that the idea to boycott the French uh, goods, this is really nothing. What we need to do, as you've mentioned, is establish a caliphate, and then therefore we're going to crush Paris with our armies. Uh, It's very surprising that such statements, you know, of violent jihad, they're said more or less in confidence in the mosque, but the news does get out, and it's certainly no secret that they see this as a war, a holy war against France. And that holy war would be the radicalization, the Islamic radicalization of uh, the situation there, not only in France, but in Europe as well. 
that report is available, and it's uh, right out there, good enough for everybody to understand there's going to be some problems. In fact, uh, Europe, uh, they say, according to Macron, who is the president of France, must uh, strengthen their border controls after these attacks. So it's going to be an interesting development as we watch Islam and the European Union in some type of a battle in the near future, right, John? Uh, Europe is, it has a call to strengthen their borders. The attack in Nice was by a Tunisian man that came to one of the islands off of the coast of Italy and in a few hours traveled into France by train and committed the atrocities. I lived in France for a year, but in terms of the Islamic presence, it was nothing compared to Brussels. They're working on strengthening the borders with the Schengen countries, that have a common border. You enter one of the 22 Schengen Convention countries, and there are even countries that are not in the EU, such as Norway and Switzerland, then you have a free pass to travel in all of the other countries. And so they're seeing that strengthening these borders, which really kind of goes against the EU agenda, is only a matter of time. And a matter of time will reveal that Bible prophecy, as foretold in the Word of God, will be fulfilled. John, thank you very much for the report. You keep us up to date on what's happening politically in the European Union so we can see the prophetic unfolding. Appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk again next week. Thank you, indeed. Prophetic is happening, and it's all going to come to pass. It is all going to come to pass. Well, we're going to have to take a break. And after the break, one more broadcast partner, David James. We're going to look not only at the political aspect of these elections, but the biblical perspective and prophetic perspective as well. When I have a conversation with David James, all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central. We're going to wrap things up, and then we're going to head down to Southside, Alabama. That's where Riverview Baptist Church is located, pastored by Roger Wagner. He's inviting everybody for a three-day prophecy conference, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then Monday and Tuesday nights. We're going to be studying the prophetic Word of God. We're going to be focusing on the presidential election and the worldwide pandemic. You do not want to miss this prophecy conference. And just before we go to David James with our last conversation from our broadcast partner, let me give you the poll question. With the presidential election process as it is today, do you still believe that God is in charge and will use political decisions by political leaders to put prophecy in place as foretold by Revelation chapter 17, verse 17. Now that's our poll question. Go to my website, prophecytoday.com. It's on the homepage, left-hand column. If you'll scroll down, there is the question. Be sure to answer it. We now bring to these microphones David James, David joins me on a weekly basis to have a conversation, and we look at an issue from a biblical perspective, which will help each and every one of us to know how to have our daily walk with the Lord, 
but also give us better understanding of what is going to be the result of this issue in place and our confrontation with it and what God has in his plan for the future. David, great to have you along. And I want to begin with, as we have for the last couple of weeks, talking about a listener who sent us an email, this one concerning the judgment seat of Christ. You know, I thought it might be very helpful for us to discuss this because we don't hear much teaching about this particular issue. Yeah, that's right, Jimmy. It's a great question, but as you said, we we really don't often hear a lot about it. And first, I would also mention she had a nice note to you, Jimmy, uh, concerning one of your commentaries, as well as about the Prophecy Today ministry. She wrote this, I have really enjoyed and learned from Revelation, a chronology. Also, I am reading the daily October readings and studying them about biblical prophecy. So that's, that's great. And then she asked the question, where in the Bible is the Bema seat? judgment for believers discussed. I know the word Bema is not a term in the Bible. So, Jimmy, the word Bema actually is in the Bible. It's just a Greek word that's usually translated as judgment seat. So, the Bema was the judgment seat in a Roman city or town where political speeches and judicial decisions were made, and there have been excavations of ancient Corinth that have revealed a large Bema located in the marketplace there in that city, and Paul actually refers to the Bema of Christ in 2 Corinthians 5.10, as well as in uh, Romans 14.10. And since we know from Romans 8.1 that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ, the Bema of Christ is a judgment of believers to determine rewards based on faithfulness in multiple areas of the Christian life. And we also need to understand that this is different than the great white throne judgment of Revelation 20, uh, which is only for unbelievers after the millennial kingdom. So great question. Great question, and I've got some concern myself about what's going to happen at that judgment seat of Christ. David, you should as well, because we who are teachers of the Word of God are going to have a more intense testing or judgment at that particular event, the judgment seat of Christ. Very important discussion. Prophecy teachers ought to be talking about it more, I do believe. Well, just before we get to our topic, one more comment that I want you to have for us, David, if you will. Take a few moments to tell us about your international ministry this week with a Word of Life in Hungary. I understand that you did it from home and through Zoom. <laughs> now, David, how did that work out? Well, Jimmy, it was really good to teach the students at the Bible Institute that we started over 25 years ago, but I'd have to tell you, teaching over Zoom was tough, especially the course God's Plan Through the Ages, which is a real challenge all by itself to get in 10 hours, and with translation and then with Zoom, it's even tougher. But I still have two more courses scheduled to teach in Hungary over the next few weeks. I've had five international trips canceled this year, two canceled next year, and we don't know where this is all going. But I have to tell you and our listeners, it was really a blessing for several reasons, including being introduced to the students by my son, Chris, who's now the associate director of the Bible school there. He and his wife and family are missionaries with Word of Life there in Hungary, and she's a Hungarian who was saved at our camp at age 15 
Queen, and her father is Jewish and not yet a believer in Christ as far as we know, but he survived World War II in the Budapest ghetto. And then on Wednesday, my translator was the son of a Hungarian who was a student in our first Bible Institute class back in 1994. And also, I and one of our other American missionaries back in 1994 led his mom to the Lord. And uh, she was my first secretary in the Bible Institute, and then she became a student in the second year of the school. Jimmy, uh, as you well know, these things are a great blessing for us as we get older in our own lives and ministry. Yes, indeed. And praise the Lord for all the blessings you were able to share with us. When's your next time that you'll be teaching? I'll be teaching uh, the week of Thanksgiving. I'll be teaching Signs, Wonders, and the Charismatic Movement. I'm sure that the students are going to be looking forward to that. Well, we still, David, as you well know, and all the world, I guess, does know, we haven't emerged from what will go down, I do believe, in history as one of the most challenging and contentious presidential elections in American history. And between this and the riots and the pandemic, We're in the 11th month of a really tough year, 2020. Uh, You're right, Jimmy, and I have to be honest. Even though it was my suggestion that we go ahead and talk about this, I was a little bit reluctant to even discuss the election this week because I think many are are just very tired of the whole process. And beyond that, since this is what we do in our segment of the program each week, uh, we try to bring commentary and perspective to hot topics and breaking news affecting believers, it it would have been strange for us not to deal with it somewhat this week. And, And as you know, I've been following this all very closely for weeks weeks and months, and I know you have as well. And and since my wife and I are both political and news junkies, we're often simultaneously watching the news and hitting pause and replay all the time and, and reading articles and talking back and forth about these things. And we're sometimes even sending links back and forth while we're sitting across the room from each other by email. So you can imagine what this week's been like here in our house. But by God's grace, my wife and I see things almost exactly the same across the board. And, and as I've watched this play out, though, uh, on social media and listen to people. I know this isn't always the case within families or between friends and colleagues or even among believers in a given church, let alone people from different parts of the country or from different theological perspectives. Well, my wife and myself are both news and political junkies as well, but we do one other thing that you did not mention. We yell at the TV (laughs) and those giving us the reports. You'll have to get that one, and it helps relieve some of the pressure, David. Hey, I wanted to get to the issue of how we can move forward as believers in a few moments. But before we do that, I want to take a look at what we know from the Bible about how God establishes and then works through human government to carry out his plan. So what do we know from the Old Testament, David? Well, Jimmy, for anyone who's listened to us much over the years knows we've talked about this quite a bit because it's such an important topic that affects our daily lives. As a general principle, one of the most important things we need to keep in mind is that God is sovereign and fully in control, and He has a plan and purpose whether or not we are able to figure out what those things are ahead of time. However, this in no way makes God the author of sin or evil or responsible for those things in any way. All that falls upon the unholy angels, the fallen angels, 
angels and mankind. And this was true both before and after the fall in the garden in Genesis 3, and it was true when evil was so widespread across the earth, as we read about in Genesis 6, that God determined to destroy the world by flood. The Lord put a basic form of human government in place when he mandated capital punishment in Genesis 9 as part of the Noahic Covenant. Then he created the nations through judgment at the Tower of Babel, and and then raised up the new nation of Israel through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to be his people and to bring the Savior into the world. The Lord also used the Egyptian Empire to provide a place to protect and grow the young nation of Israel, and then brought down that very empire when they oppressed his people and prevented them from worshiping him. And then God raised up and then destroyed the Assyrian and Babylonian empires, and then the Persian and Greek empires to accomplish his purposes. And all that is in keeping with Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, where we read that God changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Well, that's the Old Testament. Now let's shift to the New Testament. David, what stands out in your mind about both 2,000 years ago as well as into the future based upon the prophetic truth of God's Word? Jimmy, I think one of the most startling things for us as believers is that neither Jesus nor the apostles challenged the Roman Empire, which was one of the most cruel and corrupt regimes in history. In response to dealing with a corrupt tax system, uh, Jesus said in Matthew 22 to give to the government what was theirs. And when subjected to a completely corrupt combination of government and religion, Jesus allowed himself to be executed. And it wasn't just because of his mission of redemption, because he didn't even speak out again the political side. And and the Apostle Paul, he had plenty of reason and opportunity to speak out against the Roman Empire, but in the mid-50s of the first century, in Romans 13, he said, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. About a decade later, Peter told believers in 1 Peter 2, submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king of supreme or to governors as those sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. And Jimmy, for the last 2,000 years, God has worked through geopolitical forces to advance his plans and purposes, and we can trace that. And there's still one final future global empire coming that will be so evil that it will make everything before it look like child's play, and that will be an extension of the old Roman Empire. But then Jesus will return to establish his kingdom of righteousness forever, and that is our only hope. That is our blessed hope. Praise the Lord for that thought. Okay, let's uh, conclude our conversation now, David. Give me some of your thoughts that you have concerning how we go forward as believers, no matter who ends up in the White House in January. Well, Jimmy, as I was thinking about our upcoming discussion, this may sound strange, but the title of an Ernest Hemingway novel came to mind, and it's called The Sun Also Rises, which is actually based on Ecclesiastes 1.5, and the previous verse in Ecclesiastes notes that generations come and go. So, Jimmy, no matter what happens, the Lord is in control. Our hope is in Him and His Word. The sun will come up tomorrow until it doesn't. In 1 Peter chapter 1, and I quoted from chapter 2 earlier, Peter quotes from 
from Isaiah chapter 40 when he says, The grass withers and the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And because of this, we know that we need to keep the main thing, the main thing, by being ministers of that word. We need to be involved with evangelism and discipleship, reaching the lost and teaching believers, and this requires us to love the Lord and his word and one another. We are our brother's keeper. And in this country, in part, this means staying engaged and not throwing up our hands in frustration at the whole process and just withdrawing. And finally, as Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, we are to be in prayer for those who are in authority, because it's good and acceptable in the sight of God and our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Well, that's a very important verse and an exhortation from the Apostle Paul. I've got to tell you, after watching the results on television last night, how that was all coming in, when I went to bed, I opened up the Bible, looked at Second Timothy chapter 4, where Paul says, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, and look for the rapture. Run the race, but look for the rapture to take place. Well, that is indeed, as you've already mentioned, our blessed hope. David, I do believe this was an important conversation. Not that we're projecting any ideas as to who's going to be the winner. We don't know that as of yet. But indeed, we are Christians, and we need to live a special certain way. I believe this conversation will help in our daily walk. Thank you so much, my good friend. We'll have another conversation next week. I'll look forward to it, Jimmy. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to take a look at the book. We're going to open up, and God's Word tells us how we should live in these days. We'll take all the reports, put them together, and see what our hope is indeed. Stay tuned. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services, and the courses for weekend conferences of 6 to 10 hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website. I look forward to hearing from you. Just how close are we to the rapture of the church? Do events taking place in the Middle East and around the world have prophetic significance? In his latest book, Sound the Trumpets, Jimmy DeYoung examines these questions and explains just how near the rapture of the church could possibly be. By comparing four trends from prophetic scripture to current events taking place in the world today, Jimmy shows that the stage is set. Every actor is in place, and the curtain is about to go up on the end-time scenario set forth in the scriptures. Sound the Trumpets is a must-read for every serious student of Bible prophecy. 
To order your copy of Jimmy DeYoung's new book, Sound the Trumpets, for only $15, call us today at 8-PROPHECY-8. That's 877-674-3298. Or visit us on the World Wide Web at prophecytoday.com. Call today and make sure to get your copy of Sound the Trumpets. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. Today on Prophecy Today weekend at my broadcast table, six of my broadcast partners had great insight into current events happening in our world today. On the broadcast, we focused much on the presidential elections, not for or against any candidate, but the post-election activities that will take place and whoever wins, what the future will hold according to the prophetic scenario that is found in Bible prophecy. And also, we tried to remind you that our blessed hope no matter who is the next president, our blessed hope is that God is still in charge and the rapture is coming soon. By the way, remember, if you missed any of the conversations with my broadcast partners, please go to prophecytoday.com, that's my website, and then go to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network. It's on the right-hand column on the home page. Scroll down and you'll find it. That's the location for you to be able to listen again or for the first time if you missed some of the conversations there to my broadcast partners. And by the way, be sure to tell a family member or a friend where they can go and listen to these reports. These reports are key for all of us to understand the future. Right now, though, I'm going to take a moment and give you my prophetic perspective on the news that my broadcast partners brought to the table. Ken Timmerman, who covers geopolitical activities, gave us insight into the Israeli cabinet member who said that if Joe Biden, as president, renews the Iranian nuclear deal, it could bring war pretty quickly in the Middle East. Now, remember, we do not know the future political decisions that will be made by whoever is the next president. However, we do know what the prophetic scenario for the Middle East and Iran is as we understand Bible prophecy, in particular Ezekiel 38, Psalm 83, and Daniel chapter 11. Our Middle East news update came from David Dolan, as usual, and we focused on the United Nations resolution with a vote being made and referring to the Temple Mount solely as an Islamic site, not a site belonging to the Jewish people. Well, the United Nations is a global political organization, actually a prototype of the one world government yet to come and under the leadership of the Antichrist. You go to the book of Revelation, chapter 4, verse 2, through chapter 19, verse 10, you'll find 16 chapters of detailed information that will unfold during the seven-year tribulation period. You can find everything that's going to happen at that time and read it and understand it today. 
We also know that the Temple Mount will be the center of controversy, Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 2, which is in God's word and in absolute. And when you stop to think about it, the stage is being set for both of those prophecies to be fulfilled. Winky Madad, who had a background in the political arena there in Israel, in fact, he was a vote counter in several of the Israeli elections. He came to the broadcast table and we talked about whomever the Lord chooses to be president, there's still many problems in the Middle East. Politicians and politics do play a key role in the future. Revelation chapter 17 and verse 17 says God will make political leaders make political decisions that will set all of prophecy in place and God's plan for the Jewish state has already been determined. He laid it out in the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis chapter 15. The Jewish people will have a nation and a piece of real estate forever. Sam Rohr, who is the president of the American Pastors Network, talked with me about the political situation, but he mentioned at the end of our conversation, Romans 13. That was key in the conversation. You know, it's key because Christians need to remember what Sam did say. Romans 13, verse 1 says, God ordains the decision on the presidential race, and that decision has already been made in the courts of heaven. That's our blessed hope. John Rood gave us his European Union update. The European Union watching and waiting to see how the elections are going to play out. Of course, the political events that happen in this world set the stage for the prophetic scenario to be fulfilled. And remember, the European Union is at least the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire. That's Daniel chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, and 23 and 24. And then David James and I concluded the program for today, a conversation focusing on the biblical perspective in the presidential election. And the next step that we talked about is we need to begin to pray. If you've never done it before, or if you have done it in the past, you need to continue to pray for those who are in higher authority. That's First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. As we pray for those in higher authority, they will be made by God to allow us to live a quiet, peaceable, godly life. Maybe some of the problem is we have not been praying for those who are in higher authority. And, of course, we'll be able to live that quiet, peaceable, godly life so that we can lead people to Jesus Christ. In fact, I would pray for those who are in higher authority, who we know are not born again, to be saved. That's the number one priority. Well, those are the broadcast partners and the reports they gave us today. And as I said, we have focused much here on Prophecy Today on the presidential election and the future that the next U.S. president will be involved in. But let me again quickly remind you that God is still in charge. We should not necessarily focus on the next president, but on the prophetic scenario that will happen in the near future and our responsibility because of those truths. 
and the next event to happen, according to God's calendar, is the rapture of the church. And that rapture could actually happen at any moment. And having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until... Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today.